1: The wind banger, and if you play it to the end, you just hear Christopher Cross absolutely burning his guitar solo, not showing off. And you heard that in the background, such a long way to go. Oh, uh, who was the singer? Another yacht rock classic. Who was the background vocalist? Such a long way to... Who sang that? Let me know. 0457736. Background vocals Ride like the wind, Christopher Cross. Magic millions on the Gold Coast this weekend. And Christopher Cross, for those who love their GG's, might recall that he was the feature artist at the 2007 running of the Melbourne Cup, won by Efficient. And he just looked like quintessentially Yacht Rock too. He had like the, the daggy hat, probably the, the tweed jacket with the leather patches. He, Who is this bloke? The last bloke walking down the street you think is a muso. And it was Yacht Rock legend Christopher Cross. That is a cracking tune, and it ages so beautifully, doesn't it? Oh, 0457 seven, Such a long way to go. Who sang that line and backing vocals in that song? Pretty clever, weren't we, on the text line yesterday with your UB40s and your 10ccs. But who sang the backing vocals? Such a long way to go. They're on Ride Like the Wind by Christopher Cross. Welcome back, everyone. Final hour of the program. Julian King, you with you on SEN Summer Mornings. The open line number 1300-01-1170. The texts continue to roll in on 0457-736-736 as we bid a very good morning to our friends in Sydney on SEN 1170 AM in Brisbane on SEN Q693 and the Gold Coast, SEN 1620. Anywhere on this beautiful planet via the SEN app. Mitch on the text line has got it right. The background vocalists. Christopher Cross's Ride Like the Wind. Michael McDonald. Doobie Brothers, Michael McDonald. Bondi Jackson's Malcolm McLaren. No, it wasn't Malcolm McLaren. And a few more, Troy as well. Yeah, Michael McDonald. And the thing about it is that he's got the big white beard. This is a great scene, I think, Jimmy Fallon did with Justin Timberlake where they sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat, all dressed and singing in the boat of Michael McDonald. And they come to Jimmy Fallon, then to Justin Timberlake, and the third spotlight is on Michael McDonald himself. Well done to Troy and all the others who've got that 110% correct. We're going to catch up with Laurie Horace from ESPN shortly on the program to break down the news about Bill Belichick. I guess the first question is, well, where will the Master Coach end up next? It's too good not to be somewhere, but it brings to a close his 24-year partnership with the New England Patriots. Including six Super Bowl champions. As are, They're all rolling through. Michael McDonald. Morning, Jules, says Lakemba Dragon. Regarding the Dragons' halves, how many quality halves are going around and available? Any in the Super League? What's Brody Cross status in England? They're all committed. That's a thing, Lakemba Dragon. Remember they sounded out Jack Wellsby? He said, no, no, I'm going to stick around. So you're right. There's not a lot around, but it's a, it's a question of depth. That's a thing. And depth is something that the Bulldogs have. I know, Bondi Jack, he said, for our audience, I've warned you time again, Toby Sexton is a part player. Hutchie, Drew Hutchison, will wear the dogs' number seven with a plum. He may well. He may well, but I reckon the Dragons are looking at the depth that they have in the halves. You think about Drew Hutchison, Toby Sexton, Burton, Crichton could play 5-8 at a pinch. Jamin Salmon as well. They go far out. Wouldn't we like to bolster our halves' depth right now? But it is what it is. They committed to that club. We've got our player roster, and we should back it in. I reckon the figures... For Las Vegas and TV will be massive, as will the support shown on Fox. You sound like you're in the jungle today, Jules. So that was a bit early. Yeah, it just sort of opened up. The heavens opened up. But it's um, nothing but blue skies, as Willie Nelson sang from now on. 1-300-01-1170. 1170 is the open line number. Let's talk all things NFL with our great mate, Laurie Horesh from ESPN. He's on the line right now. Morning, Laurie. Morning. Great to be back on with you. Listen, weapon of choice. I know you mm. love your cricket. Uh, what was your, mm. your choice of blade back in the day, growing up?
0: I didn't get my first English Willow till around twelve or thirteen, when mm. uh, my school, which was not known as a sporting institution, and uh, your producer Charles Goodser can confirm that, um, <laughs> we entered a cricket team in the Trans Harbour comp, and I got my hands on a, a Puma the Puma Mill no Champ. I can't remember. I don't yep, know if that's yep. the Michael but Bevan Gilly one. Yep. To, yeah, Gilly used to rock it. Had the red and the green colouring little gold trim, and uh, it had a gorgeous tan on it. Unbelievable. Once the oil was done, it it really did have quite the sheen. Um, But I will say, um, and those who played any junior cricket with me when I was running around for a few years for galloping Mm -hmm. greens, um, definitely more damage with the Red King than with a bat at any point
1: in my career. Were you one of those that would just sand the edges so it looked like you middled everything? You know, go. How many cherries did you get in your bat? Sort of red, and you didn't want to show off any nicks, so you just sand off the edges to look like you didn't edge any of them.
0: I couldn't have pulled that off if I tried with the way the rest of my teammates, particularly when I was playing a little bit of junior club cricket, saw me bat. I was happily down the order, and I would take the first, the fresh red king for a little left arm um, early days around the wicket because you could really swing that thing at one hundred and forty-two grams, and eventually over the wicket like a like a good grown up. But um. I was happily down the down the down the order, not trying to claim any any runs that um that weren't uh, off the middle which were few and far between. Um, and actually, yeah, once once may have been involved. If uh, a head coach was out and uh, one of the other bowlers' dads uh, took over for the day and uh, tried to take the red king out of my hand, the fresh one, and give it to his son to Ooh, take these, our first no. four the first forty innings. Uh, no. I asked my dad if he could politely duck up to Mackins to get some uh, sausage and egg a I good bribe the other kid, with to ensure that I stayed uh, with that
1: first ball of the innings. And did it work? It did, absolutely. And I oh, there it, you go. It, so okay. no, no regret, No
0: regret.
1: So a happy ending. Yes, the 142 gram, the Red King. That was a beautiful rock. All right, let's talk NFL. You know, we've seen Pete Carroll. We've seen Nick Saber, You know, big-name coaches moving on. And now, of course, the biggest of the ball, probably Bill Belichick, 24 years with the Pats, six Super Bowl rings. So I guess the obvious question here. Laurie, likely destination for Bill Belichick. I think right off the bat, I think it's clear from
0: reporting from from Adam Shepch and some of the other Eastern reporters that he does want to continue coaching. You wonder if a team like the Washington Commanders um, who have got new ownership and it's a a brave new age for them would would look in there um, and and pursue that. The Atlanta Falcons seemingly have been linked early, which is interesting. Um, It's considering the kind of legacy, perhaps not considered one of the legacy franchises, one of these huge names, and as much turmoil as the Washington franchise has been over you know, the past two decades, prior to that, there's Super Bowl victories, there's iconic teams, there's iconic Hall of Famers, so um, those two names are interesting, and the one that's going to get thrown around, um, and it really does depend on what goes on over the next week or two, I would say, with Dallas. If Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys are knocked out by any team, not named the San Francisco 49ers is going to be questions about, um, about mm. his job, he, unless they make the Super Bowl. But if they get knocked yeah. out the first two weeks of the season, there will be questions. Yes, he's had you know 12 win seasons, three seasons in a row now in a regular regular season campaign, but uh, he was brought in to take the next step. And if that next step is not is not had, particularly if they're playing on home turf, which they would be this week and they would be next week, where they have been 8-0 no, this season and 16-game winning record, if... That was to happen. An upset was to happen, uh, particularly one that perhaps carried some, some embarrassment in the scoreline. It wasn't an easy excuse or an easy escape route there. Um, perhaps uh, Mike McCarthy's job job will be in question, and we do know that Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick have expressed an affinity and respect for each other. So that is one that is already getting circulated around, and hey, let's be honest, whenever there's uh, NFL content around for Dallas Cowboys, Bill Belichick, Jerry Jones, in the same sentence, you going to get some my balls
1: yeah okay just very quickly what about pete carroll potential destinations
0: less clear is the energy from him coming out of his comments definitely seemed like he'd like to coach again despite being 72 years old he certainly has the energy for it um this is someone who, who rocks over the youth of a man decades younger than than his build age uh, for now he is within the organization and advisory role but i wouldn't I, that one's a little less clear but the ban is so it's a very different style of coach uh, to Bill Belichick, but his connection with players has carried him in, in such high esteem uh, that I do think it may not, that feels like it might be a, a slower burn in terms of finding out. that Perhaps it's a year off. I don't know he's already seventy two, but maybe he takes some time back. Maybe he does take on that advisory role for a period uh, with with Seattle and then looks to get back into it. But it's it's tough with these these three men that you mentioned 71, 72 years. Um, of age, each of them. Um, and yet, with someone like Pete Carroll, you forgive him for thinking he's not 50's Way He carries himself away, take care, takes care of himself, the passion and the fun that he still speaks with. Um, you definitely think this isn't the end of the coaching way for Pete Carroll.
1: Now, just on the Patriots, Laurie, uh, look, they need a QB, don't they? they got third pick, I think, in yeah. the draft. There's probably a couple of standout QBs. Chicago got first pick. Potentially, you know, can they move on Justin Fields? And would the Patriots potentially look at somebody like that or someone else? I think the Patriots are obviously be in the market,
0: whether it's for Justin Fields or whether it's to move up. If the Bears ultimately decide they want to stand with Justin Fields, they've already retained. It seems like Matt Eberfuss, the head coach, will be back in 2024. Huge changing out of the offensive coordinator and offensive coaching staff. So there will be a new brains trust there, whether that is for a new quarterback or whether that is to see if they can get more an offense perhaps better designed consistently to take advantage of what Justin Fields' skill set is. We'll see, but the patience for me in the market one way or the other, if Justin Fields is available, um, that, I imagine that might be something they're interested in. But being that they're already at the third pick overall, and could be someone like a J.D. You've got two at the top, Caleb Williams and Drake May. One or two, two or one, whichever way you have it. Two rookie draft, uh, rookie quarterbacks coming into this draft class that are going to get the most noise. Someone like J.D. Daniels is certainly getting talk That could be in that top five, top three consideration. Do the Patriots look at saying, okay, look, Dustin Fields, obvious talent, obvious playmaking ability, still very much a projection, still things we're working on with. He's taken steps in mental processing and how he reads the game out, but that's still a a process. We're not close to an end product there, or we're not close to where we'd like him to be. But we're going to have to pay him, not in the next one or two years, but pretty soon after we're going to have to, offer a big contract to him, or do we just say, hey, look, we're already talking about a project quarterback. Maybe we do look at J.D. Daniels, which resets it at such such an early spot. You've got the full five-year control of the rookie contract, and you really kind of start the clock there. But they will be in absolutely the mix for for one of these quarterbacks. And and I think for Patriots fans, that Mac Jones era went the way it went. Tom Brady is long, long gone from the franchise, and now Bill Belichick. I think as much of fresh ideas and fresh start is what you want here, and it's interesting though, because when you talk about head coaching candidates that being been I mean, there, we've got former Tennessee Titans coach Mike Rabel with his, uh, you know, he's been inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame. He speaks his immense affinity uh, for that organization. He uh, was back there doing so this season, which caused all sorts of storylines. Um, he's available and, and there's, obviously, um, there's obviously strong ties there to Foxborough. And then uh, Gerard Mayo, who has succession plan language in his current contract that he could immediately be named um, if the Patriots selected him as the heir to Bill Belichick, his, um, the way his contract is designed, uh, he could actually they would avoid the whole process of needing to bring in a certain amount of candidates. Because of the way his contract is, is lined up and the verbiage in there, he could be named uh, immediately and they could get the ball rolling uh, that quickly. But those two names seem to be the first two uh, that have altered to the front with some obvious ties. Mayo already in the building as, uh, as one of the defensive coaches there and a former first-round pick from the franchise.
1: Yeah, fascinating watch, isn't it? Just one more thing on coaches, just quickly on, on Nick Saban. You know, him and Belichick are, are tight, as we know. Was it, was, yeah. it, was it a surprise for you? And do you reckon Alabama could be the most attractive open position in football at the moment? Well, this isn't the
0: Alabama that it was a few years ago, just because, you know, recruiting classes and how NIL has impacted name, image, and likeness, um, in the, for those that don't know the acronym, um, in the college football world, how much that has changed the landscape there. Look, it's obviously a massive legacy position. It's a huge, monumental national program. It will be immensely attractive. But the other side of this is, is a question that we ask a lot of the time when a huge coach is Sir Alec Ferguson type of Man United or um, take your pick across the coast. Um, you think of the, the, the dynasty set up by someone like Wayne Bennett. Um, I know growing up when he was running uh, with the Broncos in that era and that edition of that and um, the dominance to him and they said, do you really want to be the guy after the guy? Who wants to come mm-hmm. in and be new yeah. guy after Nick yeah. Saban. That is, that feels like the amount of pressure, expectation, and, all, and honestly, immediate doubt, immediate doubt would come, that could possibly meet the standard of the six national titles that he brought uh, to the Alabama Crimson Tide, seven overall in his career. Um, it's, uh, it's obviously a huge, huge spot. And look, coaches have egos as well, right? Players have egos, coaches have egos. They will believe hmm. the best of these coaches that get approached for that
1: role, you know they'll believe that they can do the job. Uh, but yep. we know, well, as you've seen, it is very hard to replace the man. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like batting after Bradman, playing after Hendricks. You're right. Laurie, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your intel this morning. I think I might go out and buy a Red King now. You've inspired me. It's a midlife crisis <laughs> for me. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. There he is. Laurie Horish ESPN. Yeah, the Red King, of course, it was the one that used for the kids as 142 grammer as opposed to the 156. Interestingly, you open up around the weekend, that's something different, isn't it? Very different, but that beautiful seam. I once, I remember, I was keeping. I used to keep occasionally. And you play, we were at, oh, what was the ground? It just escaped me. It was somewhere on the northern beaches of Sydney. And I was keeping, and the ball came in, and it hit this tuft of grass, and read up, bang, just collected me right under the eye. It's a brand new Red King. And the stitches, it was literally a six-stitcher under the eye. Like the scab was the perfect mark of the 6 ditcher. It looked very, very cool. I've got to say, very, very cool. Just escaping off the ground. It's going to do my head in. O four five seven seven three six seven three six. Speaking of running, Michael McDonald keeps you running is another banger. Ah, from the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Yeah, swore I wouldn't turn into my dad, but they don't write songs like that anymore. Now you're sounding old. They're back in my day. And then Jane says, just on Michael McDonald, I keep forgetting. And that is a great tune, and that was sampled by Nate Dogg and Warren G for their classic hip-hop tune, Regulate. And I think the story goes that Warren G was walking down the street, bumped he was a massive Michael McDonald fan. Bumped into Michael McDonald, so you've got this sort of young gangster hip-hopper, grew up with Snoop Dogg, said, oh, Michael McDonald, big fan of your work, can we sample your song, i keep forgetting? He goes, yeah, sure, no problem. Massive hip-hop tune of the 90s. So there you go, Jason from Albany Creek, good morning to you. I won! A Duncan Fernley clubman. when I was 12 had to wait three years to use it. It was too big and heavy. Awesome bat once I got to use it. Yeah, that's a thing. They're so light now. And they're already broken in. But you're right. You pick them up and they're, they're heavy. Heavy as a bloody railway sleeper. And you'd have to get linseed oil. you'd buy it separately. And I'd usually use probably like a chucks cloth or something. And you'd do it and you let it dry and you'd sit it up. So it would really seep into the willow. And you could either have the mallet with the ball on it and bang, 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 bang. Or you just got just light shots in the net. Just a couple of throwdowns with old balls and old balls, and just hit and hit and hit. And if you didn't, it would start to kind of crack up on the edges. Great memories, though. Great memories. Thank you, Jason, for your text. Thank you, everybody, for your text. Keep them coming in. 0457 736 736. Breaking back with more summer mornings.